Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, this sucks. I'm not a prairie person. There's some cool stuff out there, but I'm some definitely sweet ass mule deer. Tell you that much. Yeah, I don't stop for many animals. You know, growing up around BC and that, with the size of animals that we have, and there's definitely a few deer out there that even whitetail that stop me in my tracks on the road. Never seen anything that big in my life when it came to deer. Yeah, it's man, they're they're insane somehow. out there. Yeah, it's like miniature elk. Yeah, my uncle lives out there, and he sends me pictures all the time just to tease me fucking guy oh what part of saskatchewan he lives in rosetown rosetown i know the name of that place yeah. i was down in southeast saskatchewan i was called radville it's just i don't know 50k southeast of so southwest of weyburn yeah and right in the rolling hills there man that was something else yeah yeah they got crazy muleys there alberta's got good muleys too but i know my i got buddies there and my brother lives in alberta and he sends me they send me pictures all the time just to rub it in big freaking muleys <laughs> yeah man yeah no i hear you i'm a little bit envious of some of them we used to have nice ones around here in the valley but i don't know populations have really really gotten hammered the last 10 years here of muleys yeah just bad management and we used to have tons tons and tons and tons and whitetail too like no whitetail either do you guys have a, a doe season there for whitetail unfortunately we do and i'm not i'm not I'm the type of person where if you need the meat um, and it's legal, go for it. Fill your freezer, feed your family. I've taken a few does in the past when our populations were really high. And, uh, but it was, uh, it was two does a person. And up here in the Kootenays, we get a lot of, and I'm not, it's locals and people from out of town, but we get a lot of people coming from out of the area for what used to be good elk hunting. And we all know elk hunting's tough. So if you don't get anything, well, you're pretty much guaranteed to get your two does. Yeah. So you'd be driving down the roads and seeing the camps, and there'd be 
no word of a lie, you know, eight to 12 different uh, does hanging in every single camp and uh, populations just can't handle that. So I mean, they just switched it last year to the one doe, which is an improvement, but uh, we're, yeah, we're all got, uh, hit to zero. Yeah, we have one doe here. Oh, okay. What are your populations like? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> like from the amount of time I've hunted here since I've moved here, there there's more it seems like there's more whitetails than there is than there used to be. Okay. But I'm also seeing whitetails in areas where it used to just be inhabited by tons of muleys and there's no muleys yes. there anymore. So I don't know. I don't know if the I don't know if the mule deer are just being displaced by the whitetail and maybe but I don't know. Like I said, I, I've seen more. I've seen more whitetail this year than I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, since I moved down here and started hunting down here. But I mean, like, I, um, up in Prince Rupert, we didn't have any whitetails. So no, and you know, as a kid, I never really paid much. I wasn't into hunting back then. I was into fishing when when we were up there in Rupert. And all I remember were the giant moose on the Skeena River. <laughs> yeah, moose and the and the and the black bears. A few like grizzly bears too, but. Just the size of the black bears. Yeah. Something else. Fucking huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, like, obviously the guys that guys I talked to have been here a lot longer than me and they've hunted way more area than I have. Um, they say that, uh, that there's way less whitetails and the quality of whitetails. Okay. Have, has, uh, has gone down, but I don't know, man. And then I talk to the same guys and I show them pictures of some mule or some whitetails I have on my trail cameras and stuff. And a couple that I've gotten the past few years and they're, they're kind of blown away that I got those deer in region eight. So I, I guess know. the thing is, you know, how far are you? I know you're a hiker. You like to walk in and kind of get off the beaten track. I yeah. I got to get far away. Like the further away, the better I find. Yeah. I, around here, it's, it's kind of the same way. It's high pressure area, lots of hunters, lots of logging. So there's lots of access roads all the way to the tops of every mountain. Um, easy to get to places, which also makes it easier for predators too. But uh, uh, yeah, I find getting parking and trying to walk into the ugly areas. So I don't know. I like to hunt in a lot of front country stuff too, where people, they, they don't go. They just assume there's nothing there. Yeah. They don't they don't want to go for the walk or whatever. And it's right in front of everybody. I don't know how many times I've had people walking by and I'm just kind of set up. I won't say a word. I'll just keep quiet. And I mean, they are booking it like walking so fast and not cautiously. And I just sit back and I don't even bother getting out of there. I mean, they just, they're probably going to spook something toward me. Yeah. I kind of do the same thing. If I'm going to an area, I kind of just put my head down and go, obviously it's uh, like the way I look at it is the more time you, the faster you get there, the more time you have when you're there. But also if you're got your head down and you're, you're hunkering along, there's a better chance of spooking some along the way. Yeah. So it all I depends. Guess. I think mostly what I'm hunting for too. If I'm hunting like whitetail, I'm pretty cautious when I'm walking through the bush. Only because I bumped uh, one of the coolest looking deer I've had on my trail cameras up there. He had, uh, he had seven on one side and on the other side, he had this big fork, just a super cool looking deer. Oh, that's great. Yeah, this thing was insane. I don't know. I'll send you a picture of this thing. I've, I had him on my trail cameras, and uh, I went in there to check the trail cameras. I, he was only on my trail cameras ever at, at night, and uh, I went in there early, and uh, it was a little bit dark, and I walked in there, and um, I heard some crashing, and you know, uh, there was a, a deer there blowing at me, and um, when I got to check my trail cameras, that, that same deer had been there right at daylight, the last two mornings so 
pretty sure I, I bumped him in the dark. Oh man. Which I is kind know. of why I stopped going into my, I, I stopped going into my stands in the dark. Now I just, I, I go in there when I can see. Yeah. And that's actually how I got my, uh, my white tail this year is I kept getting bumped in the, you know, it's walking light, but not quite shooting light. Yeah. And you can't see, you know, into the tree lines or if you're walking in the thick bush. Yeah. I got, I got bumped by, oh man, I don't know how many just does. Not that there was a pile of them, but you know, when you're in mid rut, I don't even yeah. look for the box. I'm just trying to find the does and figure the, the boys will come around to party later on. Yeah. And, uh, but same thing, I'd wait till shooting light for, for this year. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like I, I'll, I'll leave when it's dark or leave, you know what I mean? I'll leave. Yeah. You got to time it pretty good. Or I mean, I've, I've even sat in, uh, I sat there and waited either at camp or in my vehicle to, before I head into the trailhead or get into the areas where I know I'm going to be, uh, where it gets close to hunting. Just, just for that one reason, man, this, uh, yeah, never seen that. That was last year that happened. Well, okay. And, uh, like two years ago, two falls ago, um, I never seen that deer after that ever. And I, I've hunted that one area for a long time. I've had, I got trail cameras all around there. And the rest of that year, never seen them. All this year, like all this past fall, never seen them. So, and I, and it's not like, I mean, maybe he's dead, but there's a very slim chance that another hunter got him. But you never know. Yeah. Sometimes but, they just, they seem to just skirt your cameras too. Yeah. I think he just, uh, I think that was him that I heard when I was walking in and he just, yeah, he was gonzo. Man, I always, I find it almost comical too, because I'm the type of person that walks with a headlamp too in elk season, just to try to get in, get off the road and in deep. Yeah. And then I'll sit and wait in an area and then I'll go from there. And last year, I don't know how many times I walked into an area and I had, I knew the timing of it. I knew kind of when the elk are coming through, not exactly, they changed their patterns all the time, but they knew I had to get from point A to point B at a certain time, because irregardless what way they came from, they usually crossed in this area. Yeah, I bet you eight out of 10 times, I actually got, my hunt was blown by a whitetail when I'm hunting mule deer oh, or sorry, yeah. whitetail and they'd go off and I'd just be sitting there like, are you kidding me? Like I'm, I'm 30 yards away from where I want to sit. Yeah. <laughs> and then come whitetail season this year is the exact opposite and go in, go in and in our Valley here, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the herds make their way down to the, the wetlands Yeah, just to get out of the deep snow and everything. And uh, I run into more elk than I do deer. And it's the elk that are blowing my hunts when I'm trying to hunt whitetail. <laughs> you just sit there and be like, you guys got something going on here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're in cahoots for sure. Oh, They got it all figured out, man. Yeah, that's funny. That's, uh, that's what makes it interesting, though. Oh, yeah. I love it. Those are the memories. Those yeah. the, my brother actually came down from, uh, he's never hunted any big, big game. He's he's on the Charlottes there. Oh, yeah. and so he's well, they only have elk on the Charlottes. Yeah, he said that he's going to try this year. They're only in one spot there, and he's never done that. So he's only hunted the, uh, I guess they're the Sitka deer there. Yeah, if and you they call do, them deer, I mean, we've. I call them, I call them dog deer myself. I always have. So I don't. Know. They're so small. I don't even know what I'd use to shoot them. Yeah, they're tiny. I mean, we've we've obviously we've hunted them over there, and um, yeah, they're small for sure. Oh. We used to go when I used to fish. We used to go hunt them. You know, when we have like weather days and storms would roll in, we'd be stuck in, we'd be stuck in Charlotte City or, okay. or, um, or up in Masset. And, uh, so then we'd take the, we'd take a truck and, and we'd go hunting. But yeah, they're, small, just for sure. they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. yeah. You could just, they were you could, anyway. Yeah. You could, I, I think they still are. I don't know. They're, 
They're pretty uh, tiny though. Yeah. Yeah. I invited, invited him down this fall and I said, told him to come down beginning in November. And I was like, we're right in the middle of the mule deer rut, beginning of the whitetail. I was like, we'll see something. And man, first day, didn't see anything. Tried going out for a spike fork moose. Just last day of it kind of deal. Didn't see a single animal all day. And we're, I went deep with him with just trying to find tracks and so far into the bush. Didn't find anything. So day two, I brought him down here and I was like, well, I'll go to some of my areas. We'll check some cameras and we'll just see what's floating around. And I know the area as well anyway. Like, and not just seeing if there's anything that is legal, I guess, in the area. Yeah. And 15 minutes into our hike, we still, we run into a herd of 70 elk. It's the coldest day of the year so far. So they're just going crazy. They didn't spot us. So they actually ended up going right to where we wanted to go. So we followed this herd for probably two, three hours into where I suspected there were some deer and his eyes were just the size of saucers, big smile because they're bugling and just cow calling. And we were within 30, 40 yards of them the whole time kept sneaking up so to go from sitka deer to here here you go here's some yeah. out for you they're going nuts what then, normally like <laughs> what what's uh what type of year was that what time of year was that uh that would be beginning in november like november 2nd so really and they're going nuts then eh it's it seems like when you get the first couple cold uh days yeah. here like it was about and it's not cold cold but it was like minus 10 right and it was a it was a sudden drop too from you know plus two plus one and all of a sudden it drops down to minus 10 yeah and get some riled up it didn't matter i took them to a few different spots and it didn't matter where we went different elk herds you could hear them down in the sloughs and just just chirping more than i've more than you ever hear them chirping in hunting season but they're just huh. they're way more relaxed yeah for sure you know, really shooting them. yeah but pretty awesome even though i'm around them all the time i love it i'm just like a kid in a candy store listening to them yeah for sure but I, yeah i mean those i've heard elk call here but um nothing crazy like that for sure really oh man it's yeah i don't know when it comes to elk hunting you know you got your two different myths about you got to be super quiet and sneaky and then you got your other side yeah and it's like they aren't they they can be sneaky and quiet but they're also one of the loudest obnoxious oh, yeah. animals out there when you actually oh. run into them in the right mood oh yeah and if they don't know you're there if they're just walking around casually they're loud man oh yeah like even a single elk loud yeah yeah they're not uh they don't sneak up on you like uh like a deer will when you're out elk hunting do you ever if you get one riled up or where it doesn't seem like they're paying too too much attention to who or what you are do you ever break branches and like be just oh, yeah. as aggressive or you know just as loud or you try to sneak in yeah i sneak in usually so like the elk i passed on this year it was second day of archery and uh I had, I had seen the, I found the herd the day before and there was a bull in there. Um, and he was, a he, I couldn't tell it that, that day I couldn't tell, uh, which bullet he was that I was looking for because two days before the season opened, I had seen uh, a bigger bull. And so I, I thought it was that bull for some reason. So, but it was later in the afternoon. I was like, okay, well, there's no point in me trying to bust in here now. So Next morning, I went in there, uh, threw a bunch of just cow calls out um, just to see if I can figure out where that bull was. And then uh, I got a bugle from him. So I just started walking, walking towards where I heard the call. Every 15 minutes, I let out another one. Um, they weren't moving. I kept going, um, let out another one. And then as I got closer, I just start calling a little more aggressively and um, just a little more 
progressively a little quicker just to sound like a cow, cow oaks coming in. Yeah. And uh, I walked up to the tree end of the tree line. Sure enough, in the little clearing, I could see him and he was just a smaller. He wasn't the bull I was after. He was a small six by five. Yeah. And uh, I passed on him, but I could have had him at like 50 yards. Easy. Oh, man. That was on second day of archery. And I was like, well, you know what? There's still lots of time. Yeah. Isn't that the worst thing that ever goes through our mind, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, if I hadn't seen that bull in the same area two days before it opened, yeah, I would have taken that one. That's fair enough. Just because I've only, that was the only, those are the only two I that were six points that I seen that um, last year. So, but he's, he was gone. Never seen him again. Never seen him on any of my trail cameras. Interesting. Yeah. So Do I passed on it? that guy. And then I was, I looked for him, looked for that elk for the rest of the year. Couldn't find him again. Couldn't oh, find man. any of them. I got him on my trail cameras a few times, but um, I think there was some other hunters in there and they were, they were in there bugling and, and uh, just making a bunch of noise and, and doing some, doing some calling. And I think, uh, I think he smartened up right away. Yeah. They got, they educated him pretty quick. Yeah. And it doesn't take long either. So no. But, wow. Do you find that you're having a hard time finding uh, six points out there? Or is it just a matter of looking a little harder? We're having a hard time out here and right. I'm not talking. I mean, yes, our elk populations are severely in decline, but we're starting to notice fewer sixes, but our herd bulls are turning out to be giant fives yeah. and probably so, genetic fives that yeah. will never be sixes. And they're, they're monsters. I would be, I, I, well, I'm proud of any, I don't care if it's a spike, I'll take anything. It's food in the freezer. I don't need yeah. antler, but uh, these, these things are monster fives and be like, there's nothing around here. That's going to beat that thing up. Yeah. Why do you think there's uh less elk out there in the Kootenays? Oh man. I know you've talked about it before on some of your other shows there, but uh, mismanagement it's. Yeah. You think that's the number one or you think like road access or just that all ties into management? I think it's, yeah, I think it's a huge issue. I don't think one thing solves it all. Um, I know a lot of people want to blame just predators and that's the only thing they want to blame. Yeah, and they well, are, that's, an e that's, that's easy to blame, right? It's yeah. The it's, easiest thing to do is just to point your finger at uh, wolves and cougars and say you're and blame, but they are definitely out there there's way the, the balance between predator and prey is way out of whack so yeah. it definitely does have a play in it but i think a lot now on top of that is uh logging and i'm pro logging been a logger everybody around here is loggers i'm i'm all for it does create habitat but when you don't decommission roads afterwards uh, you're allowing uh, people to go up into areas that uh, don't normally get up there. So, you know, even in springtime, um, they might be elk, deer, whatever. They might be calving. They might be having their fawns. And now you're stressing them out by driving through and they're running. And you're also, you know, now, now going back to the predators, you're, you've got highways now right to the tops of the mountains that they yeah. can travel on. And we know how fast they can travel. So where some yeah, well, I mean, on a road, a pack of wolves is going to, you know, it's going to terrorize and it's going to get a deer or an elk, no problem. Yeah. And where, you know, moose, elk and, you know, like caribou and stuff, caribou especially love the tops of the mountains. You know, they could escape a lot of wolves up there in that deep snow. And but when you start sending highways up to them, it uh, makes it a little easier for them. They expend less energy to go after them. So Yeah, I know Robin and Unra and I, we talk about uh, road deactivation all the time. Um and it's one of those things like, yeah, they deactivate roads, but digging a little ditch at the end of a road, at the, at the beginning of a road, 
isn't deactivating it. It's got to no. be turned up because I mean, like, how many times have you have you been in the backcountry and you come across a road that's supposed to be like quote in quotations deactivated, but it's uh you know it's just dug up with an excavator and now there's you know now it starts out with quads going through and then it's side by sides and then it's small buggies and then it's pickups and then why the fuck do you even have the road deactivated at all? It's pointless. Yeah. And you know, the ones that I do come across that are actually deactivated and turned up and everything's dug up, they're old. So, yeah. I mean, I'm no profession professional or anything at these kind of things, but I'm thinking it's cost. Dig a ditch. It's cheap. You know, they, they cover their asses for whatever the regulations are. Yeah. I think there must be a minimum requirement that's set by uh, set forth by the ministry that they have to, that they have to do. And obviously if something's going to cost you a thousand bucks or something's going to cost you a hundred thousand bucks, what are you going to do? Yeah. It's yeah. It's a pretty easy call business wise. Oh yeah, for sure. Put yourself in their shoes. So, and it's, yeah. that's up to but, the government to figure that stuff out. That's, and to me, yeah, that's well, that, management. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to say that it comes back to management. Whereas, you know, they have to, they got to set better regulations. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I find around our entire valley, it's not specific to just here. And I understand both sides are our benches in the Columbia Valley here. They're, I mean, they're winter range. Like I was saying before, all the elk come down a lot, all the animals period come down and our benches, the wetlands, everything is what they feed on for the whole, the whole winter. But you're seeing more and more high fence being put up around farms, golf courses. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like, well, if there's not enough food around to support, you know, X amount of animals, populations are going to decline. And again, that's not putting it on them. It's, you know, I understand elk are very destructive. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you talk to any farmer and oh, they don't have a lot of good things to say about elk. And from my understand from uh, what I heard from a little bird is, here in Region 8, we have uh, a cow elk draw. Do you guys have a cow elk draw? I think there's a couple LEH ones that float around. I can't yeah. remember if they, were, if they were left active in this last year, but they were the year before. Not many, but a few. Right. But so I'm, not, from, I'm not sure. Well, anyway, from my understanding is, um, I mean, this is just, you know, bar talk talking, right? I mean, there's no, yeah. no validity to this at all. But from my understanding is that there was a few... Um, Farmers in the Christian Valley that got so fed up with the elk, they called the government and said, "Hey, if you don't do something to decline the elk numbers here, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get somebody in here that will." So, and then they came out with that cow elk draw. Oh yeah. So, like I yeah. said, I I don't, you know, um, that's just you know word going around. I don't. There's no validity there. I don't. I don't know firsthand. Um, yeah, so. and I I get it. Like that's their livelihoods and all that kind of stuff. And if everybody hasn't seen the damage that you know a herd of 70 elk can do to a field it's amazing how quickly they can wreck it or even hay bales left out in a field that haven't been collected yet we'll make quick work of those things too yeah and and i get it i mean those farmers that's you know that's food for their cattle that's their livelihood so absolutely uh, um yeah i I mean as a hunter obviously i prefer to see the elk uh, yeah have something to eat or some winter place to forage but I think one of the other big things that I'm starting to hear come up is the not as much down by where we are here. I think more in your area and Prince George and stuff is the spraying after logging so that the the deciduous trees don't grow back. Yeah. And I don't know, up in there, you start looking at the stats for, for elk and start listening to people for, well, moose and 
deer and everything and everything's in decline up there as well and they eat all that stuff so i don't know it's yeah the replanting of uh monoculture forests so you get all that pine and spruce and mm-hmm. replant with that in your forest you you i mean i think we've all walked into a big bat or patch of you know poplars and aspen and all that kind of stuff and you walk back into the pine and spruce there's a huge temperature difference Oh yeah, definitely. They cool off the forest. So I don't know if yeah. that has any play into the forest fire issue, but yeah, it just yeah, seems like I, it's I, I think it does. Um, I mean, around here we have just because of our temperatures, like down in southern British Columbia, we have mostly um, pine trees. Yeah, just because they're the only thing that can sustain, you know, the forty degrees for any length of time throughout the summer. But yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But I know the spraying. I know that's a huge issue. There's people, you know, and there's a lot of people lobbying to stop the spraying so yeah but again that goes into management i mean there's got to be people looking into that there's got to be biologists um who are you know who would have a better understanding of it than you and i do and uh, but again you know does the government listen to to what they're saying yeah and the only thing that worries me is if they do if they if they aren't looking into it is it because they're worried about somebody coming out and saying okay yeah this is really really bad and then like anything else well whose fault is it yeah fingers point so they don't want it pointed at them and it might not even have anything to do with them or maybe from generations ago yeah well exactly snowball effect has gotten so big that you know i don't think there are any easy solutions it's it's kind of scary out there it's a mess man yeah it's a hot mess that's for sure yeah yeah i see what you're saying about genetics there we i do find that a lot um in this one area there was a five point bull in there that had a herd uh, for, oh man, I, I don't even know. He, he was, I stopped hunting in that area just because there was no other, he was just, the only herd bull I would ever see in there was that five point, like for four years in a row. And I was always waiting for him to pop another tie out. Yeah. Never did. And he was, he was fucking huge, man. Big, it's, big five by five. It's crazy. Yeah. Do you think part of that? person and correct me like i don't hunt up in your area and that down here i think back in the day it used to be three pointer better and talking to the old timers you know you wouldn't see a lot of sixes and stuff like that because everybody would be popping them off left right and center and but once they put the six point season in they started seeing bigger bulls but now that it's been in so long and with access and everything i think going back to the access people and predators and all that kind of stuff a lot of the sixes are being taken out of the equation yeah well and they're ground too like i i've hunted in the kootenays there yeah down by uh down in the southeastern part of the kootenays and the forest fires down there blew me away yes yeah it's it's something else yeah and my buddy i was hunting with he said there used to be that used to be like a haven for elk we used to be the serengeti this entire valley of bc for animals yeah and uh it's pretty desolate now it's it's crazy but I think once you shoot, once once enough sixes get shot, you know, some nice ones. And even though there's sixes out there, it's like some of these mature five points, they they end up doing a bunch of the breeding. And I think just over time, it's not a quick yeah. thing. I think over time, some of these, like you say, the elk that are big, they never turn to sixes and they're passing on that dominant yeah. five point gene. Yeah. And it's the same with mule deer. I've seen tons of big three point mule deers. Yes. Big threes, huge, like probably six-year-old three points. Yeah, and the massive, massive. On them. yeah, massive. Okay. And I'm talking like, yeah, like you know, the bases of them are, man, they're big. You couldn't grip your hand around them. Oh, something else. Yeah, we've you... seen a big guy this year. Huge. That's yeah. awesome. Our mule deer are just starting to come back here. Yeah. The last, 
was pretty bad there. I think I went about three or four years without seeing a single legal mule deer. And I didn't see any big threes either. And this year, or the last two years, I know myself and a few other people that I've talked to started seeing four points again. Oh, yeah. And more of them that we've, you know, in combination that we've seen in the last few years combined, which is great. So I'm, I'm hoping. Well, I feel, not- yeah, I feel with those four points though, like it's, it's, if they're close to an area where there's hunters, as soon as you, as soon as that thing, as soon as he sprouts a little tiny one inch time, he's done. <laughs> yeah. He's fucked. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it's so, yeah, you, you I mean, they never around. really get, yeah. Everybody around here would tell you 10 years ago, you could drive around. You wouldn't even have to get out and hike. You literally drive around and you could pass up on 10 four by fours every single day. Yeah. And you'd hold out because like, you know, you, you see that one or that one that you didn't quite get a shot at. Like, no, that's the one right there. And now it's, you're lucky to see a legal one. Yeah. I mean, I see four point mealies every year, but again, that's a place most people aren't willing to get to where I, I have to go to see them. So, um, yeah. but I mean, I've passed up on, I passed up on four point mealies this year, uh, but I've seen a lot of big threes, a lot of big threes. I would have loved to take. And oh, now it's too bad. In my opinion, we don't have a longer archery season. <laughs> so, yeah. So well, I mean, play. yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few things, uh, you know, it, it the same with that spike fork moose. I don't really agree. We have the same draw here. I, I personally, I think what they should do is get rid of the open season for spike fork moose. Just get rid of it because yeah. I've come across so many in the last ten years. I can't even count how many three by three or three by four moose I've come across. Oh, really? That have been shot and left just because guys get at you know they just misjudge yeah, it and they it. shoot it and they get up to it and they're like, oh shit, and they just yeah. leave it. Uh, and the same thing with uh, elk. No, I've come across five point elk just left. I've come across three point muleys left. Unreal. Yeah. So like back to the moose. I, I like myself. I would like to see get rid of that spike four season because I mean, yeah, really. You know, like how many I, we've seen in all my years hunting down here in Region Eight, we've seen one spike fork moose one, and my dad missed it at sixty yards, kicking himself for that one. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I hope you never let him forget about that. Well, I never do. And the best is my youngest, son. my son at the time, he was only, he's 10 now. And at the time he was like three or four and he still remembers it. And so he really? lets him have it all the time too. And he's like, yeah, grandpa, remember when you missed that moose? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. He feeds it to him. All. No, he gives him a cheap <laughs> shot every once in a while. But yeah, I you mean, know, your time's coming. So you better hold on to that story. Oh Yeah. The headshot, man. Like he had the thing at 60 yards down broadside. I was wow. up behind it because I pushed him out of the bush down to where they are. They were down a little clearing, him and my kid. And I walked up behind him and I pushed pushed him and pushed him and the other and the cow out. And it walked out and yeah, 60 yards walked in front of him and he missed it. That's funny. I remember I couldn't really see it. I was at the tree line, so I shouldn't say it was broadside, but he told me it was broadside. But I remember sitting up there at the tree line and I could hear gunshots and I'm like, where in the fuck is that old man shooting? I was sitting <laughs> up there waiting for waiting for the dust to clear. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. Oh, he's a he's a freaking cowboy. That's awesome. old timer. You know how they are. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would I would like to see them get rid of that that spike fork and move to just giving out more LEHs for any bull. You know what I mean? And they should do like different LEHs too, like do an archery LEH and give out a lot of those. I think that'd be an interesting one. Yeah. And then, because like, I mean, down in like Alberta and the States, Alberta, I think I'll have to talk to Jim, but 
anyway, like down in the States, I know they do like, they'll have like an archery elk, elk tag you can get. It's easier to get that tag than it is to get, obviously get a rifle. You have a longer LEH. Um, you got longer with your LEH, you yeah. know, to harvest an animal. Um, I'd like to see that. And like, you know, so I don't know what the these same, big, what's that? Are you the same in your region when it comes to that draw for the moose? Um, are you the same where you can do the archery season as well with that same LEH? Because that's what you can do here. It's not specified, but if you oh, get yeah. that LEH, you can hunt uh, the archery and the. Yeah, well, there's different like region, like region 814, 812, 810. Um, those are all they have basically you have you can you can choose like you can choose to have all of October for any bull for rifle or, or two weeks in November any bull with rifle. Oh, okay. But I know like in re in like in, in your region, region four, because my cousin had that draw. Uh he had that draw last year, no, the year before. And they had an opportunity where they could have went for archery only at the beginning. And then they could have went back for yeah. rifle. Yeah. yeah. Which was, I thought was a, a good idea, but I'm, I'm talking about just doing like a, like specific. So yeah. So an eight fourteen or eight twelve, you could, you could put in for, you put in your LEHs, you could put it for a September moose hunt, but it's archery only. I gotcha. I like yeah. that idea. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, we used to have tons of moose around here and we still have some, but it's not something you see too often anymore. And I'd like, yeah, I'd like to see the spike fork taken right out. And there isn't that many tags put out here, I don't believe. But oh, there's not a lot, lot of tag. Yeah, there's not a lot of tags here in Region Eight. Anyway, I mean, there's not a lot of moose compared to like where you and I used to live up in up in yeah. northern BC, where you know what I mean. Moose. I'd like to run into a moose like that again. Just uh, it's been year. It's it's been a long time. It's been twenty years since I've been up there. Yeah, and I'd love to see some of the site. Just a reminder how big the animals are there compared to here yeah yeah that's pretty neat my you know i still connect with a lot of guys up there and they have some uh pretty unreal moose hunts for sure that's awesome yeah yeah that's um, a dream hunt of mine yeah but there's you know same with the archery season i'd like to see same thing for the mule deer like you they could go if they want to you could go archery all september and have any buck and no rifle season and don't you know what i mean don't turn it to a four point till october get rid of the rifle season for mule deer in september have archery only and just have any buck that will you know it's kind of it, it's gonna give you the opportunity to get those bigger threes out of there and plus it'll cut down the rifle season a bit which yeah. you know like i said i've come across a lot of three point dropped mule deer in in september i'd actually like to up that a bit and go archery for everything for all of september yeah, I uh, I, I would I'd like that too. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm correct. I'm an archer, so I mean, guys that only shoot rifle are yeah. they're going to be sitting here going, "Fuck you, guys." Yeah, and I I get that, but I'm almost a hundred percent positive we are the only province in Canada that hunts elk in the rut with a rifle. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things like I don't like. Okay, look at whitetail and for here in here in Region A, they open for rifle September 10th, and they're open till November 30th. So you yep. basically have three months, three months to shoot, and it's any buck to shoot any whitetail. I mean, yep. I don't like personally. I don't hunt whitetail until December, and I hunt with my bow. But like this year, I hunted with my bow all year anyway. So, um, I mean, yeah, I get it. It, you know, it it takes a lot more work to hunt uh, with a bow. But it, you know, in Alberta, my brother where he hunts in Alberta, they only have a two week rifle season. That's in November, are, right? Yeah, that's in November, and like so, how it works out there is they. For any muley buck in any muley buck, they they have to put in for an LEH for rifle, but it's open for archery. 
So, th- so every year they can go hunt mealy bucks, but it's, it's archery only. Okay. And they're allowed two does. I think he said they're allowed two does in the region. He is, he's in red. Right. So he hunts around there and he's allowed two does and a, a buck archery, but he has to put in for LEHs and that's on a four year application term. And then, oh. um, yeah. And then he gets to hunt. So if you get a, get that LEH, you can hunt muleys with a rifle, but every four years you, you can, like you can only get it every four years, right? They work on that point system. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I, I like the system to a point. I see flaws in it, but I don't think there's a perfect system out there. No, I, I don't either. Stuff, and I know a lot of guys. I know that. Yeah, I know. I talk to a lot of guys who are on the point system and they say they like the lottery better. So really until they don't get something for 20 years, 25 yeah, well, years. Like the moose LEH, I've never gotten the moose draw ever. We got ours a couple of years ago. I think it was our third year putting in for it. And let's just say there's a couple people across at work across the lunch table that weren't too happy about it because they'd been putting in i think they told me for 22 years yeah. and they've never even sniffed it well my and cousin thought, my cousin for region 814 for the leh draw we've we've both been putting in for that 814 moose draw the same amount of time he's gotten it twice really i haven't gotten it yet yeah, so i mean I, that, the flaws like that you know and they say that it's you know first choice odds are supposed to be better but I don't see that at all. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've talked to people who've had it three times in 10 years from around here. And yeah, I mean, great for them. Crappy for the people who've been waiting 20 some years. Yeah. So, and that's the thing, if you're going, like if, if you had, if you, it worked off the point system, you'd kind of, you'd kind of even the playing field a little bit, but I mean, it's tough. The, the whole thing is like, basically, I think that the whole, the whole, our whole regulations in BC have to be restructured. I think so. I think they got to stop managing. It seems to me like they're managing with the regulations instead of having like a management plan for the next 10, 20 years. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's the liberals fault for in the mid nineties there when they kind of amalgamated all fish, wildlife and resources together as one, you know, before it used to be just be a a fish and wildlife department. Um, I don't know. It's uh, a, you would think with the amount of public land that we have around here that it'd be impossible for us to decimate our populations like this. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. Well, yeah. I talked to my buddy, my buddy JJ down in Texas there, and he, we were talking about how much public and private land they have down there. Yeah. And I told him how much public land we have up here in British Columbia. He didn't believe it. And I told him it's a fucking mess. And he didn't even know what to say. There's like, I, I deleted it all, but in the podcast, but there was like a three, three minute pause. And he's just sitting there looking at me like, fuck you talking about how is that even possible? I, was like, I don't know, dude. Oh man. Yeah. It's, I don't, I, I don't even do it. I don't, I don't even want to see the populations go back for any other reason other than I'd like to see the habitat change. I like, I'd like our kids to be able to yeah. enjoy the wildlife the way that we were able to when we were kids. No different than the fish back when for the three years I was up in Rupert there and met you guys. Um, it was, I guess, the Serengeti of the fish fishing times up there. Like yeah. you go up there and you'd watch trains of fish right up the river. Oh yeah, man. We used to fish on the Skeenum and like we'd pull spring and oh it was I, awesome. I remember I pulled this, I was with my brother and I caught this steelhead. And man, this thing must have been it, it was huge. I, I wish I had a scale to weigh it back when I back then but i didn't i didn't even think to be honest i didn't even think other than i still have the picture being like we're both my brother and i were like man that thing is huge yeah and you know i wish uh yeah i wish we would have a scale to see what it was but it was big it was man i don't know it was over 20 pounds it was fucking huge i think the biggest one i ever caught off there i can't even it was below cassocks or ever there yeah 
there's, there's a sandbar. I can't remember the name that they everybody called the sandbar. Polymar. Polymar. Yeah, it was yeah, Polymar. Was it. up high. That was the bigger one. Used to drive across and down below. It was China Bar. That's right. Yeah, you have to wait till the tides went down to get onto them. Yeah, you could. I I had driven a truck across there once. A funny story. So, um, I used to work out in a log yard and. Uh, a buddy of mine, his dad owned it and he was my roommate at times. So he's like, nobody's around. So he's like, Hey, let's get, let's fucking get out of here. Let's go fishing on, let's go fishing. So I'm like, Oh, how are we going to get out there? He's like, let's take the work truck. So he's like, he's like, okay, you drive. So he's drinking beers. I'm driving. We go across and I was like, Oh man, the tide, I don't know if we're going to make it. He's like, fuck it. Just go. And we get halfway through and the truck stalls and it was a deal. Oh, no. Like, Oh no. <laughs> so oh no. He's sitting there looking at me, you know, like a deer in headlights. And I, right away, I get up, I, take my pants off and I jump in the freezing cold water, flip the hood of the truck and I pull off the air filter, the air filter and get it. So the air intake's not in the water and I go in, I'm pushing on, pushing on, trying to push that water and it fires up and I get it out back onto the other, back onto the, onto Polymar, but the tide was yeah. going up. I got it out there anyway, but yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. I think yeah. the biggest deal that I ever caught on there was, I think we, we did weigh it and it was 24 pounds. Yeah. And yeah, this, yeah. Those memories were awesome. Yeah, we used to fish out there a lot, man. We spent a lot of time out there. Seen a lot. Like I remember fishing out there on on uh, China Bar, and then like just me and a couple of buddies, and then all of a sudden you, you look up at Polymar, and there's three grizzly bears walking down the bank. They're coming down to check out what you got them for yeah, lunch. They want to know what's for lunch, but yeah, they never awesome. crossed. They never. It was pretty deep there. He had to cross, and he could only go. You could only go that one certain path to get across to China Bar because it was yeah. way too deep on the other side, and the current would just push you through. So then they never, they never came across. They hadn't figured it out yet. Well, it's a good thing. Yeah, but big bears up there, but a lot bigger yeah. than down, like like down. You see the grizzlies around here, and down the Kootenays are nothing like the bears up there. Yeah, yeah, they're there's you see the odd big one here and there, and you just yeah, you keep remembering, but like no. <laughs> Yeah, these are little puppy dogs compared to what's up there. Yeah, big buggers up there. Everything's bigger up there. Yeah, well, you got to be. Yeah, that's the only way to survive up there, I guess. Yeah, man. Yeah, I know it's uh, it's good times up there for sure. Oh, do you ever go fishing up there anymore? No, man, I haven't been back uh, since 2007 was the last time I was up there. So okay, yeah, and uh, when I was up there, it was. It was around the Christmas holidays. We didn't do any fishing. Yeah, that's fair enough. Just partied for a week, left. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, good times. <laughs> yeah. No, lots <laughs> of good times out there for sure. <laughs> yeah, I did the same around this Christmas, so I'm uh, I'm in rehab now. Oh dear. Yeah, I can't do it. Like I did, uh, drank three nights in a row, and now I'm in, I'm in severe rehab. January rehab. I took it easy. It's the wife's birthday coming up here, so she got like to do loose. more of the drinking on New Year's Eve. And- I kind of stayed mellow and did the driving and stuff. So, yeah. And last year was my turn. We usually switch, but yeah, it's her birthday week. So she got the, she got the benefit this week. She of got having to cut loose. Fun. Yeah. Which is good. Right on. You're going to, you're telling me you're planning a moose hunt this fall. Yeah. We've when? got, we've got some friends that uh, up in Fort St. John there and they've been trying to get us to come up for years and they lived in Fort St. John itself. And they're not hunters. They've got connections and everything like that. And we've been contemplating it, but it's a big commitment to go all the way up there. Like that's a chunkier hunting season, even financially too. Yeah. Uh, but this year, last year, I don't know, sometime in this last year, they bought uh, just outside of Fort St. John quarter section. Oh, nice. And it backs on to the Peace River, right into some coolies. I forget the name of the other coolie that goes right down into it. Another drainage. 
And then her brother-in-law's, I guess it's Kitty Corner, and he's got 200 and some acres. And then I guess it sounds like they've kind of, well, her husband has grown up with a lot of the other neighbors, so they all know each other. So I was like, all right, we're going to go up there. And I think I'm going to go up there third week of September or whatever. And yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure what's going to, I know there's lots of moose up in there, but whether they're there when I'm there, I think we're going to go for a week or 10 days or something. And then the elk season, I think it's three pointer better up there. Right. And I know she was sending me pictures right at the beginning of September, a whole bunch of mule deer right in her field every day. So I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> The bow is coming up without a doubt, and I'll bring my uh, my wife's rifle and stuff too in case she wants to take a deer. Oh yeah, nice. Uh, just just in case we can't find anything down here, if we can, you know, if she can fill a tag up there too. That'd be awesome. And I'm gonna kind of scout out the whole area. You know, I'll definitely take advantage of the private stuff, and almost definitely be um, venturing down into the Peace River and stuff, and seeing what I can find at the bottom and onto all the public land and. If I can find some moose, I know I'm definitely going after some moose. Yeah, what's that? What's that? Seven is that seven B or seven A? I believe a, right? it's seven. Uh, it's they're in this. They're in that like this triangle, like right on the tip of it. Oh yeah, like three or four MUs that tie into this one little spot that's just from them. I actually like to say it's seven B. Okay. Yeah. I'd have to look at. I'd have to look at the map again. Just uh, I know we we yeah. were putting for a couple LEHs up there too this right. year. Um, just some elk LEHs. Well, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, big moose with, uh, with your bow. I, that's what I'm going to try to focus on this upcoming year. It's uh, I hurt my shoulder mid-August this year, and I was I I still hunted the archery season. Came super close, 13 yards on a nice four by four bull. But uh, my mistake when I turned in my uh, tree stand, I hadn't taken the quiver off my bow and. Uh, my knocks on my arrows tinged off my tree stand. The thing looked straight up at me. It didn't run, but I, I couldn't move. I, I wasn't full draw at that time because it didn't have yeah. a good shot. And it never took its eyes off me. And then just the blink of an eye, all of a sudden I had no shot again. It was painful. Yeah, the, uh, so it is one it of those is. things you only do it once. Yeah, I will guarantee you I will never make that mistake again. <laughs> no matter how tired I am. So yeah, that was, I would, that would have been awesome to, that would have been my first archery kill. I've, oh yeah, I've been painfully close virtually every single year that I've been in archery uh, shots, but I think my first year out hunting with a bow, uh, one of my older hunting partners who actually taught me a lot about hunting 20 minutes into the first season with the bow and bugled in this five, he was a five by five and he came in screaming and we battled it out for a good 20 minutes at 20 yards. But I was, he was on a skid trail and I was just in this natural clearing that ran parallel to it. And it was nothing but alders in between. I could see him clear as day, but couldn't stick an arrow through it if I wanted yeah. to. Was he one of those big genetic five by fives or just like a little satellite bowl? He was, he was, he was a good size. He wasn't a giant, but he was, he was bigger than the, the six that was in the area there, but the six right. wasn't huge either. Um, yeah. Neither of them were monsters, but yeah. Talk I find about with those satellite bulls, they, you know, they're, come running or more aggressive oh. than the bull sometimes i mean if like you get I, right up in the bull's kitchen like if you get if you get right up close enough to his cows then obviously uh he's gonna get a lot more fired up but just in general i find it those satellite bulls are a lot more aggressive than it's yeah it seems to be i don't know if it's just uh 
Oh, I don't know. Like, I guess the king of the castle that's in there is the herd bull. He's not really, they kind of got each other already figured out by the time you arrive in the area. So he's not too yeah. worried about a lot of things. And those satellite no. bulls still want to try to pick off a cow here and there. That Yeah. And I think those, yeah, I think the, I think like the herd bull, he uses those satellite bulls a bit. You know what I mean? Like he uses them just to ward off any other any other bulls that might be a threat to him. Yeah. I never even thought of that, but yeah, very yeah. well. I can, I could see that for sure. I tell you, you get one screaming bull coming in at you in archery season, coming into you at 15, 20 yards, you are hooked for life. Yeah. Well, any animal. I mean, if you shoot yeah. anything with your bow, oh yeah, it's, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah. I had this I conversation wish. with my buddy. I'd try to get him into bow hunting. He shoots his crossbow and he shot an animal with a crossbow. And I'm like, dude, it's not the same. He's like, how can it not be the same? Like you just have to try it. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from people who shoot crossbows. They want to shoot crossbows, whatever, but it's yeah. not the same as shooting a bow. Oh, drawn back on it having to hold it you know at least crossbows are not easy to pack around in the bush no packed one once and that was the last of that and uh but yeah it's i i have to agree to me a crossbow is just a glorified rifle and then you talk to the guys you shoot traditional they say the same thing about compounds absolutely i got all the respect in the world for those guys (laughs) and what they do that's just it's crazy yeah yeah we had a guy in our club this year he's he's a he's a trad boy and uh he went out with a couple of our buddies and they had a few tree stands set up in an area and there was a couple of tree stands he actually couldn't shoot out of because of the length of his bow so he had to kind of go to a different tree stand where he could actually shoot it properly and you know, he never got anything but man were we all pulling for him is it, it was just awesome yeah i'd like to get into it but it's just uh, one of those things it's so hard to get into it anything i mean you still have to shoot your bow because and i try to shoot my bow every day yeah and uh yeah but i mean this year Fuck, I'm getting older. I got, I got, a, I got a bad shoulder, bad knee, bad hip, fucking mess, man. As my grandma I'm says, some work to do. Getting oldy, like, sissies. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if I'm off the booze for, for a month or so here, it'll help me recover. But, well, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm. Yeah. We were talking earlier too, planning on getting a new bow this next couple months here, and yeah, I can't wait to start flinging arrows again every day. Yeah. I picked exciting. up the, this year. I'm shooting that uh, the new Matthews bow. So I've heard great like, things about it. That's the V3X. Yeah, the VX3. EX3. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty slick. That's awesome. Yeah, it's tight. It's like it's really well balanced. It's got the it's got the channel, so you can slide the scope right into the right into the riser. Oh, that dovetail. Yeah, you can dovetail. slide the dovetail in there. Now it, it came the one I bought. It came with uh, it came with the Matthews. Came with the Matthews five pin. Okay, but it's uh, it's pretty small. Like it's pretty tight to your pretty tight to your riser. So I'm gonna put the my old XL on there. Fair enough. Out a bit, but yeah, no. It's, yeah, I've been looking. Nice. Been looking at getting a few little accessories, but I think they'll have to just start getting up into the quality and everything. It obviously starts affecting the price and that. So yeah, both first, and then I've been looking at some of those uh, five pin sliders. Yeah, man, those I'm very very interested in some of those. Yeah, when I was talking to Brian Barney um, from Eastman's Elevated, he was that's what he uses, and, and he swears by those things. So you kind of have the best of both worlds, don't you? You got yeah, your pin in, and then you yeah. just whatever it is. I think you pick one pin, and that's what you uh, that's what you put your yeah. your sight deep to. Yeah. So so, but I mean, like I I shoot I I shoot right now. I shoot in a five pin, and uh, I'll keep a five pin all year. And yeah. I put I don't I start at thirty. So I go 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. Oh, so okay. I don't, I don't have a pin under 30. Gotcha there. Yeah. I've I've got your 20, 40, yeah. 60 kind of deal. Or 20, 30, 40, 60. Right. 
tough. Yeah. I, I just find with the 20 pin, I mean, if you have a 30 pin and you walk forward 10 yards, there's not much difference really. Yes. That's right. Well, especially you know I mean? with the bows that are shooting these days, like they're shooting. Yeah. So flat. yeah. Well, and with your arrow setup too. Yeah. You know, if you got a good arrow setup, it makes all the difference in the world. But I just find, I mean, on an animal, it's not going to make any difference from 20, you know, if I'm shooting it at 20 yards or 30 yards, it's not going to yeah. make any difference. You know, that's yeah. only an, less than an inch. It's not going to make that's any right. difference. Put a dead center of your kill zone in. You're yeah. Good and it, it's nice to have just that extra pin for 70. And I don't like a lot of pins. I don't like any, like a seven pin. It's just too gotcha. crowded in the site housing for me, I find. Yeah. 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 Like, well, especially if you don't have different colored pins too. I can see a guy, you know, you get a little buck fever or whatever and bull fever. And uh, you start looking at your pins and you start mixing up your 50 and 60 or your 40 and 50. And it can be a yeah. world of hurt at that, at that distance. Yeah. And when I practice too, I never shoot at, I'll never shoot at a th- from 30. I'll shoot from like 33, 34. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's, that's nice. Yeah. It's uh I'd like to get you out to our archery facility that we have here. We got uh, shown pictures to a few teammates and stuff down in the States and they're all blown away. Like we've got a nice 15, 20 foot high elevated platform and everything. Oh yeah. Nice. All, yeah. It's all, you know, stairs and everything going up there. Everything's nice and safe and shooting holes and man to practice here, elevated shots and not necessarily from a tree stand too, but you yeah. know, like the terrain you're shooting downhill and, eyes as to how you have to adjust it's kind of pretty yeah neat. yeah they have uh at the Kelowna run gun club here they actually have uh, a 3d archery setup so you can go in there and you can shoot yeah they've got nine different nine different uh targets you walk through there there's elevated up high down low so this is that an indoor facility no that's all outdoor outdoors oh, okay nice yeah. yeah that's nice that's pretty cool yeah. yeah it's ours we have uh we usually have two 3d courses set up from for most of the year when there's no snow we don't want our targets getting wrecked or anything but uh yeah we've got kind of like your easier course mm-hmm. and warm-up course and then we have our extreme course as well and when we do our 3d shoot we actually add a third one in the middle so you can kind of get your warm-up and your immediate and yeah. even, even our guys that set up the extreme they lose they lose arrows <laughs> and they know the distances yeah so it's 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 a blast do you but, have a lot of archers down there? Uh, we did. We've done pretty good the last couple of years. Um, COVID kind of put a damper on us, though. Like we've got a lot of 3D shoots in our valley here. You know, Cranbrook, Crest, and Fernie, um, and all that kind of stuff. And up here in Invermere, we started ours it was three years ago, and one year we had to cancel. And I think we had uh, 60 or 70 shooters the very first year, and we're trying to squeeze it in between other shoots that are established. You know, they've been around for years and years mm-hmm. and years so it's kind of it's kind of hard to get all the the archers to come when a lot of them, you know they do a circuit you got to do family time too so yeah go here this weekend and next weekend you need a weekend off with the with your family and stuff to do stuff so we actually change it up this year and i believe ours we're going to hold ours in july this year july oh, yeah. 11th the weekend after the long weekend oh yeah there's nothing going on anywhere and we did that last year and it was pretty good. I think we had 40 or 50 shooters and that was all last minute because they just opened up, yeah, uh, opened up the, stuff. Yeah. So we were happy with that. And anybody that's new to our shoot are blown away. And we always hear, we'll never miss another one just because we have the, uh, just the terrain that we have we change things up and we have just, it's fun. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy real life stuff that you are going to be dealing with. Yeah, we'll so, have to come check that out. That sounds pretty uh, 
Yeah, I'll send you once. I'll, I'll have to confirm it, but uh, I'm, I'm almost positive that's when it is. And yeah, I'll definitely invite you down for that. It's a, it's a hoot. We got camping and, you know, there's fishing lakes everywhere. We're only five minutes from Radium Hot Springs too. So even if a person doesn't want to drag their trailer all the way down, there's hotels and all kinds of stuff real close by. So it's pretty awesome. Oh, one sec here, Pete. <coughs> Die in here. <coughs> Better know. Yeah. Well, that's good. And a coughing attack there. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you'd have a blast. I know. Just getting yeah. some I'd like to have some different people from different areas come down and be like, all right, yeah, I'll pass that on to your buddies and yeah, bring for your sure. down and have a good time. Yeah, no, we'll tow the trailer down and uh and uh we'll get after it. Do you have stuff for uh the young kids? We do, yeah. We've actually we've got our 3D shoots actually set up too. If the kids are into archery, we make sure there's pins up close. So oh, you nice. the kids totally yep. separate all the categories. So you know, yep. and we like to make sure all the kids come away with something, prizes or you know, adults, yep. whatever. You can earn it. <laughs> yeah, oh absolutely. But the kids are what it's all about. You know, we wanna we wanna make sure that we get them hooked and stuff. So yeah, we usually last year we we're kind of limited a bit on some fun shoots because of regulations but we do love to do stuff for the kids on top of the, you know, making sure that they can shoot and making sure those their you know, the young kids marks are close enough where they're going to be hitting targets and everything. And yeah. then we do some fun games and stuff in between, you know, throughout the day. And it's usually a two day shoot. You can do it all in one if you choose. Um, but if you don't want to, you definitely don't have to, you can take your two days to relax and just kind of do what you want to do. Cool. What's the name of that? What did you guys call that last year? Uh, we got that one as the, Bighorn 3D shoot. Cool. And guys, can, can you look it up on Facebook or is there an online? Page I believe it's, it's on our site. We actually just went, um, just got our club in with the new century here. And uh, <laughs> we have our own website now that we're working you got your on. Your own webpage? Nice. Yeah. So, and that's for the uh, Lake Windermere District Rod and Gun Club. Oh, yeah. Well, so, what's the ULR on there? What's the handle? Oh, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one there. I'll have to right. send you a link on that one. My yeah, mother. I'll put, it in the, I'll put it in the show notes for people listening. Yeah. So I'd like to, we got enough people in our club that are tech savvy that will kind of bring it up with the times. And we're one of the few that actually do it. And then we'll, you know, try to get everybody's pictures in and stuff like that for our shoots. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good time. And then if you're just coming to the area, I mean, we've got lots of lakes and stuff around here for camping and mm-hmm. a little bit of fishing and relaxing. And like Invermere is only, you know, 10 minutes away. We've got a huge lake there yeah we are and you know there's columbia river and radium hot springs and all kinds of backcountry lakes close by yeah definitely no that'll be a it sounds like a blast i'll uh, i'll load the family up and tow them down there and maybe i'll bring the boat along too and uh do a bit of fishing and maybe we'll make a little holiday out of it yeah i'll definitely recommend it and definitely send you some some links and stuff of stuff that there's you're able to do around here yeah i think you i mean uh, outside of vancouver there isn't anywhere in bc you really can't find something fun to do oh yeah yeah it's kind of it's made for for the outdoorsmen and outdoors people <laughs> yeah cool man why don't yeah. you uh tell people a bit about uh your instagram page oh yeah i started that it was just a year year and a bit ago it's called kootenai outdoor adventures um just try to uh post a lot of i got a lot of trail cameras out year round and uh spend a, I spend a lot of time in the outdoors with my family. So just try to post a lot of trail cam photos and that too. So people can see some of the wildlife and I do try to get them with my regular cameras and stuff too, but uh, yeah, kind of take the adventure that we go on, whether it's, you know, hiking or camping or fishing and uh, just try to post some of that. And then 
few of the other sponsors that I've been lucky enough to kind of coordinate with to do a little bit of advertising for them and push their product out a little bit. And that's, uh, it's been quite the adventure. I, uh, yeah. yeah. Never really yeah. thought about doing much online in that. It was a couple of years ago, elk hunting and I had a wolf sneak up to five yards on me. <laughs> I was laying down in a blind. We were eye to eye. And after I told my wife that, I mean, our eyes, I, I saw that wolf's eyes and they were like saucers on a cartoon. And I'm sure mine were the exact same. And after I told my wife that, she's like, you need to start taking pictures and videoing, you know, like all, all your little adventures that you have. Because so, it's like all of us, you know, like some of the crazy stories that you have when you come back from the, the back country. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or just some of the views, like it's it's dumbfounding what we have for for scenery and stuff like that. I think a lot of us that are used to it sort of take it for granted. And yeah, I'm guilty of that. I totally take it for granted. I mean, I'm awful with with taking photos and can video and shit. I'm terrible. I just we've we've always had it, right? So I just yeah, I just expect everybody else to to have the same. But slowly, I'm getting better. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the big thing is starting to like as I post stuff that like, yeah, even a town deer. You know, we get some beautiful town bucks and everything. Take a picture of that, and you know, there's a lot of people who go crazy over it. And for us, yeah. it's just, oh, it's just that dumb deer was eating my flowers yesterday. And you know, we kind of get annoyed at them, but they're really cool for other people to see. And it's, uh, I don't know, some of our backcountry views and that, some glaciers, and get up to the top of the mountain. And it's just the quietness. Like, yeah, well, especially where you are there. So. Oh yeah, yeah. To not hear, you know, not hear the airplanes, not hear traffic. And you can just sit back and just enjoy nature the way that it is it's uh i love filming some of that stuff taking pictures and that and it's uh it's been pretty cool yeah that's and, one yeah. thing about Kelowna i've noticed in a lot since i moved here is that you know it, it's just becoming such a fast-growing city that you know it's you, you have to get away you know when i first moved here you, you know it wasn't it was a lot different than it is now you you know you didn't hear airplanes and there wasn't traffic jams for you know four days a week and yeah um but now it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy now. So it's nice to get away. That's why we oh, have man. a little getaway spot for sure. Yeah, yeah. I do not do well in big crowds. I'm definitely a small town boy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I like, and when, you know, I'm all about people come out here. We're, we're in a vacation destination here. We have lots of second homes out here mm-hmm. and uh, you can kind of see a bit of the, the city mentality and you want to sit there and, you know, just coming, being in a rush. Not, I'm not talking about being rude or anything like that. And be like, why don't you guys slow down and just enjoy what you guys have out here right now? Like, it's not, I know what you guys are coming from. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. just it. Everything's rush. Rush. rush, rush, rush. Everybody's yeah. in a fucking rush. Yeah. And be like, yeah. Just... And I'm guilty of it too, man. So you you got, uh, how do you like that, that scree gear? Oh, man. Scree. This is uh, the first higher end camo uh, outdoor clothing I've, I've tried. Yeah. It is something else. I put it through the ringer this year. And, uh, there's, there's lots of times, you know, I ran the cheap, the cheaper stuff for the last few years and there's lots of times I was cold, miserable. And I, I can't tell you how many hunts I had to pull the pin. Um, but this year, man, just staying dry and warm with that gear is, is something else. And I love the patterns that they have too. Like, you know, you go to Walmart or any of those other places and you see the mossy oak patterns and all that kind of stuff. To me, that's all, all those patterns and stuff are all kind of gauged for the States. We don't have that stuff here. I don't know about Eastern Canada, maybe they do, but uh, we don't have anything like that out here. So these, these kind of breakup patterns are, are awesome. And uh, I'm running the Solus pattern right now, which seems to be really good year round. 
um, for the Kootenai area here. And they've got some subalpine. Uh, I can't remember the name offhand of the other pattern. It's a great pattern as well. And right. it's uh, for your more open areas and everything. And it's, it's something else. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've, I've seen it. I haven't tried it. Right. I primarily, I run Sitka gear. Um, okay. Yep. So it'd be interesting to try. I, I see they're gaining a lot of popularity and there's a lot of guys using them. I think a lot of it to do is they sell, you buy direct from them, don't you? So yes. You're cutting out all the middleman costs. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing is it's, it's cheaper. It's, it's not, it's not cheap. Like what you find in your yeah. Walmart. Yeah. It's um, good quality. Just a cheap, very price. good quality, but it's cheaper than Sitka and uh, how do you pronounce it? Q, Q, yeah. And so it's cheaper. No. So it's yeah, yeah. More bang for your buck. And like I've, I've sat hiked everything in the most miserable conditions this year. And I haven't cut a single hunt short this year. Like I normally do. If, the stuff just performs. It's, it's something else. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see it. Uh, I see it everywhere now. I mean, it's gained a lot of popularity, so it's gotta be good. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I've, I've told a few people who I, I know through other aspects, they don't live here, but you know, sometimes it's tough to buy something you can't try on. Yeah. Unless you have a store near you or, you know, but they don't really, I think they've got some outlet places that are just for scree. They don't yeah. sell anything else, but uh, I've been like, yeah, I'd loan you it in a second. Like <laughs> you yeah, won't go I, back. Once you get yeah. to, it, like you just, I know, well, I know hardcore archery here. They've, they've got a little uh, corner set up where you can try it on and, and get some. Oh, do they really? Yeah. And then you punch it in, you order directly through them. Yeah. But you don't, you don't and buy they, it through the store. You buy it through, through them, but the hardcore archery's just got a little display for them. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I've seen a few setups like that just with them putting it up. I didn't know any of the specific locations and stuff, yeah. but yeah, yeah their sizing, sizing is, is a tricky one because yeah, they better... what you wear your hunting gear, like with anyone, what you're wearing, like with a Sitka pan, it's not what I wear. Okay. Like my jeans is totally different. So yeah. Yeah. And they've got some, they've a few, their different series too. They, they do, they'll tell you right on the site, like they, with their sizing charts. Yeah. Like some of their hard scrabble stuff there, yeah. there is more of an athletic fit. So you're going to want to order a size up from what you would think. You know, you're not going to order your jean size. You're right. Yeah. I like to yeah. order it a little bit big so I can layer. I can wear it for more of the year. Yeah. And you see, that's how I gauge it because I'm always a layering person. Like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, all I, about I, I, yeah, layering is huge. It's all about, it's all about layering and your clothes. They, if they don't, that's the thing about your hunting gear. If it doesn't fit properly, it's not going to do its job. So, like, I, oh, I, yeah. I know guys that they'll buy stuff too big. Just because they say, oh, I like it baggy, lets me move. But first of all, okay, like if you're buying something that's too big, it's going to be heavier. Yeah. Um, so you're carrying more weight than you have to. It's going to have more space in it. So it's going to be harder to heat up, you know. So you got to, yeah, um, you got to pick the right gear. That fits because, well, especially too, if, if you're rifle versus bow. Like if you're bow, you can't have all that bagginess. No, it's, you gotta, it's, it's it a lot harder to shoot if you look like the state puff marshmallow man out there. That's right. So, yeah. And the other thing I like about too, this lifetime warranty, you know, you break it, they replace it and the customer That's service good. second to none. So it kind of takes away, you know, a lot of your, uh, a lot of your fears, you know, yeah. oh, I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend some money on this stuff and stop yeah. break. And what am I going to do now? Like, you know, I have to worry about that. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Money. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. Some of the pricing of some gear you can buy. I mean, a lot of guys definitely have a hard time spending $900 on a jacket that they're only going to wear for a month a year. Well, and that's it. And I think we're kind of blessed like in our province, how much of the year we get to hunt. Yeah. And I keep, yeah, well, that, I mean, yeah, I hunt every month except for basically July, but I mean, technically 
out checking trail cameras and yep. doing all that shit. So, I mean, that's technically you're still, but yeah, for all those people who only get a very, like a small yeah. sliver of the year, yeah, I just, I can't see it. So having something that's a little more affordable and you know, it's like today we were talking earlier and it's nasty out right now. It's probably blowing 40 K snow is going to start dumping here. Well, I'm putting on my screen stuff and I'm only checking cameras. If I have a coyote yeah. come in front of me, that'll be exciting. Yeah. You throw your snowshoes on too, I guess. Eh? Yeah. Right now there's last year. I never had to, um, till the very end, but yeah, this year I'm already, I've already yeah, been, I had never had to at all last year at all. Never had to put them on once. Like I use my crampons all the time, but I, I love those things just because I hate falling around like an idiot. So, yeah, no, I hear um, you. But this year, I'm definitely going to have to because I'm going to go up next, this coming week, I'm going to go up and start uh, doing some cat and dog hunting. Then. Well, that's exciting. I've never, I've never done the cat hunting before. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I mean, I got a cougar last year and like uh, I had a buddy, I got a buddy and he's got, uh, well, he had a lot more dogs. He got rid of them. Uh, but he, we hunted with dogs sometimes. And then I just, I just ran tracks by myself without the dogs sometimes. Okay. Uh, it's a lot of work. The day when I got that, when I got my cougar last year, I, I, we didn't, I didn't have any dogs that day and it took a lot of work to get, took a lot of work to get to him. I was doubling back lots just because, I mean, it's so easy for a cat to go, you know, he was zigzagging and S and then circle back, but he was on a kill. Oh, so it actually worked out and then he didn't leave the tree. Now, did you bring your bow or did you bring your rifle for that? I used a rifle. Nice. Yeah. This year I'm using my bow. So that's exciting. Any wolves or lynx or anything. Well, yeah. Take a pop at it with my bow. Wolves yeah, are gonna be gonna... tough. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes with wolves. I don't know if it gets I to hate... the point where I'm like, fuck this. I'll just bring my rifle. Yeah. When it comes to the coyotes and the wolves, I think I'd be kicking myself if I missed out. I mean, yeah, it's super cool to get it with your bow, but I think I'd miss, I think I'd be kicking myself if I missed an opportunity to drop a couple wolves or. Yeah. Wolves are a big one. I mean, coyotes are coyotes i find they're not too bad they're a little more curious they'll stop and if you're not an immediate threat it's not too bad yeah i mean obviously you're not going to get within 30 yards of them it's going to be a you know 60 70 yard shot but yeah yeah no doubt but those wolves those things are tough they are hard to hunt yeah the the wolves are going to be tricky so that's like i said we'll see I'm going to try it, but I'm not, I'm not, I might not stick to my guns. Are you going to use uh, electronic calls or some mouth calls? Yeah, or... I use both. I use electronic and, okay. And uh, the mouth calls, I prefer the mouth calls better. All right. Uh, just because I find I don't get carried away. Like with the, you know, with the electronic calls, you can just sit there and you can just get carried away with the calls. And you know, the, the cadence of the electronic calls is not necessarily the same as what the wolves are doing or what, what call you need to be doing at that time. So I find with just, with just the mouth call, it's, uh, yeah, I find I don't get carried away. It's a little more work because obviously you have to look for fresh tracks and stuff, but. Yeah, I, I got, uh, I got, I got a tip from a good buddy of mine who's a CEO and he said from his experience out in the prairies and stuff, one of his favorites of all time, uh, he couldn't come up with the exact call, but he said a mule deer fawn in distress. Yeah. And coyotes yeah. go absolutely nuts around oh, it. Yeah. I've never tried that, but I think I might. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I've been wondering if different areas, you know. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's guys that can like, there's guys that are, that call coyotes and wolves just as good as like Steve Smith calls elk. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. uh, you know, that's what they devote their time to. 
but it's definitely it's definitely a lot more than just going sitting out there and blowing on a predator call or, or hitting the button on your uh, electronic call there's definitely a lot more to it than that yeah i'm always impressed with with those guys with any kind of mouth reads you know like as i don't care if you're calling elk or, or predators I'm, I'm always it's it's pretty crazy what people can do yeah i don't use the i have the the uh the predator to call them the read for okay. the for the mouth read for uh steve smith sells it again it's uh it's a coyote howl and you can also use it as uh as a distress call oh okay use that i don't use that one i use his his uh the one you blow into he's got a little little uh red kind of like a bite and blow kind of kind of yeah kind of like that yeah okay use that but i mean for elk calling yeah definitely the only way is uh is a a mouth read for sure do you you use the smith ones yeah I, i yeah i used to use i was using those uh those ones that uh phelps game calls had but then uh after i was talking to steve smith on the show um yeah i got a bunch of his calls and yeah now i'm strictly use his his like just the tape they use is way better took me a while to get used to it yeah just because it wants to slide around in your mouth a little bit more but the sound you get out of them is way better well that's cool guys i switched this year to wapiti river throughout of alberta Right. And uh, I had problems. I don't know if it's, I, I use a read. I've got some hard calls for cows and stuff. Um, yeah. Cause a lot of times I like to sound, depending on the situation, I like to sound like a small herd. So I'll have four or five different cow calls going plus my mouth read, but I don't know if it was just the shape of my mouth. I've used pretty much everything out there and they work, but I found a lot of times I just couldn't get that hundred percent good seal. Mm-hmm. And after talking to uh, a couple of guys at Wapiti river there, they, uh, they can put a hard or soft dome on. Yeah, so right. With a soft one, just seal that works. And man, I haven't had anything seal like that. Like I, I don't think I had a single blown call all season this year. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah you definitely got to get used to them. But I mean, like I have a call in my truck twelve months of the year, so I'm always blown yeah. on that thing. People, it could be February, and I'll be blowing on that diaphragm call, and people look over like, "What the fuck is this idiot doing?" Yeah. Well, that's the only way to do it is to yeah. practice so it's second nature. Like it's yeah. getting over that gag reflex when you first start out with whatever kind you're using. <laughs> yeah. Well, I found the biggest thing is when you're turkey, like I started when turkey hunting, right? So you use a mouth call for turkey hunting. Um, but it's the same thing. I mean, once you, the thing is, once you figure out how to use a diaphragm call, you can use it. Like once you get over that gag reflex, you're good to go. Right. So if you're using it for turkey, then, you know, it's a lot easier to transition to using it for not that specific call, but a diaphragm call for elk and then kind of vice versa. So. Well, at the turkey, I got to practice on a lot. I, I start out trying to make turkey sounds and I end up going back to elk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't know. I, yeah, I just... the, turkey, the turkey, there's a lot of, but I mean, there elk, there's a lot of sounds too. But I kind of just stick when I'm turkey and I stick to, like I'll do a gobble with my, di- with my diaphragm call, okay. which is like awesome for locating the birds. Yeah. And uh, then I just just do a little chirp and that's all I need. I find, you know, when I first started turkey hunting, awful, just over calling, right? Just do you guys have lots up there? Yeah, we got quite a bit, actually. Um, yeah, I never got a spring turkey this year. Okay. But I got one in the fall. All right, right on. So uh, I, it, it's funny, like I was, I, such a frustrating year chasing those fucking birds this spring. I was pretty, <laughs> much, I was pretty much done with it. And then I was like, okay, well, lick my wounds a little bit here and I'll, Try to go for a fall fall bird around Thanksgiving, and it worked out. So, well, that's back good. on board now, back on the train. We had quite a few around here, and uh, I don't, I don't know, I like ours. I don't know about your season in your your MU there, but uh, or your region. 
but ours is the 15th of April. Yeah. And I find it's almost a little too late. It is. Yeah. That's ours is the same. Ours is the same. Ours is April 15th to the middle of May. April yeah, 15th. So and depending like on the weather, we find depending on the weather, if it's a lot of, if there's still a lot of snow, we're good. Like we can, we can walk into that rut still be fine. Yeah. But if, if we get April 15th and there's very, like, there's not as much snow, we figure we're just catching the tail end of it. It's already over. That's yeah. what we find. And that's what I've like, We've got turkeys in our town here. They're a pain in the butt in town. Um, right. Cause a lot of damage, but I usually watch them April 1st and it just kind of put my head down and walk, you know, do the walk of shame when I see them already scrapping and be like, man, it's going to be too late by the time I get out there. Yeah. And then you got it. Well, I find if it's, if it's a little later then you just, you don't have to worry about going so early in the morning, which is yeah. a bad thing. Um, I mean, you're still going to get them. You'll still get them. Like you can still call them in. You just got to be a lot more patient. And uh, you like, usually once they leave the roost, they go to feed and then uh, you can, you know, around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you can still, hammer on your call i mean obviously you don't want to be doing it all the time but every 15 minutes or so you know just throw out a hen call and then you just got to be patient though because it could take two hours i remember one time i started calling at like 10 30 and a bird walked in at one really yeah and he didn't make any sound just walked in that's crazy now have you have you taken one with your bow yet or yeah. just shotgun yeah i've taken one with my bow yeah all right that's that's my goal that was that was my main thing this year and i never saw one. Oh yeah it just the, they, appeared on me and i was just like i have a spot that a little bit of private property there's lots of people that can hunt it but uh i don't know what happened but they just all disappeared in the area and be like no this is like may not get a shot at one but they're always in the area but they were just gone by april 15th i was just like i had no clue what to do or where to go then yeah we'll see uh yeah i think uh you can use those uh you can use those single blade arrows I think those would be really good because they're just, you get them top of the neck. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen those. I tried uh, this year. I was shooting a, a six blade, if you can believe oh, yeah. it or not. Six, six blade, blade wow. from uh, uh, Black Widow Innovations. Oh yeah. And they fly like darts. There's a lot of blade there, but uh, that's what I was trying to hammer all my animals with this year. Yeah. Um, I went to 125 grain expandable this year. Oh, it night. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Worked really well for you. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, yeah. It, the cut penetration that thing has is insane. Well, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And but I've always uh, shot fixed heads before like fixed blade. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Just this, they're just so it's just all about shot placement with absolutely that expandable. Just, yeah, it's amazing. You get no drift or no nothing, but I know for that's, those birds I've seen shit. What's the guy's, what's that guy's name on TV? He's a guy who shoots those birds out of the air and he speared a, a grizzly bear. I know who you're talking. I can't think yeah. of the name, but I know I've watched exactly Tim with he's about. yeah Tim Robbins or something like that. Tim Robbins, anyway. But he shot. He was shooting these single or he was shooting these single blade arrows, and he's cutting the heads off the birds. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's that's some pretty good accuracy too. Like you do a lot of practice. Not everybody's just walking out doing that because those things those things are moving. Like they are bobbing and weaving. And oh yeah, they're not e- they're not easy to hit them with your with your bow. I mean. Oh. Yeah, you never like I've I've never hit them where I was aiming. <laughs> yeah, it's like I aim it, for the top, the bottom of the throat, and I usually get them like know, <laughs> feet or something. So I got yeah. one on a wing once. Oh really? Yeah, it went to fly away, and it, the arrow went right through his wing, knocked his wing off. Oh man, it's it's not a bird I would, or it's not an animal in general. I'd take a fifty yard shot at. That's a that's a up close and personal as far yeah. as I'm for me anyway. Yeah, I can't but, remember the one I got one in the fall this year at the bottom too, and I. 
I can't remember what it was. I shot it at like I want to say 38 yards or something like that. Oh, okay. What's your draw yeah. length? 28 and a half. All right, same as me. Yeah. yeah. What do you run for? Do you know what your general setup weighs like with your arrow and your broadhead and stuff? Well, I'm running uh this year. I was I've last year I was shooting uh full metal jackets and I was okay. around I think it was 585. Well, that's a nice this, heavy arrow. Yeah, this year I'm a lot lighter. I'm still shooting a 100. 25 grain broadhead but i'm not shooting the 75 grain insert so and i'm shooting a smaller diameter i'm shooting those vapes this year yep and they're the formula so they're a little thinner Uh, and i went from a four fletched arrow to back to a three fletched arrow so i um i'd say i haven't really done the math on it but i'd say i'm closer to around 500 now okay late late fours early 500 yeah i'd say late 400 yeah what kind of poundage are you shooting 70 70 pounds yeah so we're we're about the same i'm just yeah add more but yeah, virtually the same. I think my yeah, arrows... last year, sorry, yeah, last year I was shooting like I shot the Hoyt RX five last year, and that was an eighty pound bow, so I had a heavier arrow. Okay, but I was shooting a heavier arrow with that with that Matthews, and I it just wasn't getting the response I liked with the later arrows down range. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mine is somewhere around the or sorry, the uh, it's around four four fifty six or four sixty somewhere in there grains. Right. I got yeah. the one twenty five heads on and. I didn't really, I didn't have enough time last year to play around with those insert weights and see what's going. I just kind of switched over, got shooting more than I've ever shot before in the last couple of years. And, but I am interested in throwing a little more weight in the front end there just for, for the penetration and stuff, but yeah, definitely, definitely affects everything else. And you can't use your other arrows again because your trajectory is going to be a hundred percent different. Yeah. And I think like, I don't think I'd ever steer away from that 125 grain uh broadhead okay yeah i don't think i'd ever go to 100 green i I like that you know just that little bit of weight i mean they were the arrows i was shooting last year they're pretty like the they had high foc so um yeah but i had a 75 grain one of those 75 grain brass inserts and i had the had the 125 grain broadhead on there so yeah uh, and that's awesome yeah and there's so much to the arrows nowadays like carbon carbon you know straight carbon carbon weave and yeah. They just got on as we were talking before there, I got on with arachnid archery this year and they've got both. And right. uh, I, yeah, I was looking at their stuff too, for sure. Yeah. They got some neat stuff. I like those thin arrows. I just find they just, yeah. They, if it's a league, a little bit of wind, they, it doesn't even bother them. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to experiment with some of the, the micros and stuff, but then on top of that, I couldn't get uh, for my quiver. I couldn't get any rubber inserts to switch over. So oh. my quiver wouldn't even hold any of the arrows. Oh either. yeah standard arrow and i was like well i don't really want to spend another 200 bucks on you know a quiver because i'm going to get a good one yeah you might all quality my wife hates it when i upgrade stuff so i prefer just to (laughs) buy it once try once yeah and uh but yeah i just i i stuck to their i think it's uh 246 inside diameter right i think if i remember right i don't know it's still morning time here yeah, I think uh, I was seeing they had 266 and then they had a one. I know those vapes are 166 and I think they even had like a 124 on that arachnid page, which is crazy. Yeah, those would be the Sicar- Sicarius. Yeah, those would be neat to try. Yeah, anybody that I've talked to, is, they're super happy with them. Like they're just yeah. bullets. And like you say, they're not, it seems they don't uh, they don't get affected by the big winds as much as you're. No, no, for sure. Standard, do you, standard arrows. Do you got uh, do you got a place you can shoot all the time? Yeah, actually, well, there's our range, which isn't close. So I'll go there. And then if I'm just doing sometimes at work, 
um, we've got some sound piles. I'll just, I'll oh, shoot yeah. close, close range, not long range or anything. Right. And I just kind of, kind of every day after work, if I can shoot 10 or 15 arrows just to keep the muscle memory going. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need a lot. I find, I mean, no, I've, I've gone where I've shot hundred arrows a day. Uh, I find if you just, yeah, you just keep it, you do it every day and you do it religiously, then you don't need to shoot a lot. Yeah. I was told by one of my, my, one of my buddies, uh, Cody Statham there. He, uh, he knows his stuff and he's like, when you're setting up and you're setting your pins and you know, you're getting going, he's like, don't be doing your hundred arrows a day. He's like, cause what you're going to find, especially when you're new and you don't realize the mistakes you're making. Yeah. Um, he says, you're going to be making adjustments on stuff that don't need to be adjusted. It's because you're tired. Yeah. He's well, like, that's just it too. Yeah. And if you're out just practicing, you know, everything's set up hundred percent. Well, you can shoot as much as you want, but don't change anything. If you, you got to realize yeah. when you're, when your arms are getting tired and realize yeah, and that's, you well, it affects everything gets affected a little bit too. Right. I mean, you shoot your bow, you shoot, you grab your bow and you pull it back once it's going to be a react a lot different than the hundredth time you pull on it. So absolutely. But at the same time, it's nice tossing arrows just as long oh, as yeah. you don't. My thing is like, I've, I've definitely shot a hundred arrows in a day without a doubt, but I don't touch my pins. <laughs> Be like yeah. there's no way if if it's if it's missing now at this point it's me it's not not the gear yeah you're gonna know from the first 20 arrows what's what's really going on but yeah yeah but it is fun cool man well uh i think i'm gonna pull the pin here sounds good thanks uh, for uh catching up uh people don't know you and i go way back we uh we used to live up north together i think i taught you everything you know about uh, defense didn't i isn't that how it you, went? Well, you definitely you definitely taught me everything about keeping your head up when you come across the blue line. <laughs> okay, the only guy in awesome. history could actually lay me out. I never forget it. <laughs> uh, good times. So, yeah. But uh, oh. hit everybody up again with your uh, your Instagram page. Yeah, it's uh, Kootenai Outdoor Adventures. And uh, I got another link too for that scree if you're ever looking into it and there's not a sale. Look at uh, scree.ca forward slash Peter. I'll give you 5% off on anything oh, on the site. Go. So yeah, throw that up there and yeah, I'll throw that in the show notes too. And I got all your stuff and uh, and send me the name of the of the archery shoot over and we'll yeah, and I'll give you that link to of our site if yeah. anybody forgets it and just wants to get a reminder. But yeah, I don't know it'd be awesome to have you and your family down and it'll be an unforgettable weekend, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Well, uh, right. we're gonna talk soon. I think we'll get you on again here. Absolutely. All right. Have a great day. Talk to you oh, later. Yeah. everyone for tuning in the focus hunting podcast is coming at you as part of the waypoint outdoor collective for more information on waypoint make sure you head on over to waypointtv.com quick shout out to the sponsors of the show backroads maps books never get lost with backroads maps vortex optics the best in optics period and hardcore archery bc's interior premier archery shop